I'm Greg Dollar Coleman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where you've both been and are now to where you're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives in the spaces between those three tiny dots. I have carried a book around since I first began teaching many years ago. It became a trusted friend and one that I happily introduced into many a circle of learners as we embarked on creative adventures. I suspect the most likely reason lies in its subtitle, The Power of Improvisation in Life and the Arts. While admittedly my curriculum was specifically focused on the arts, Stephen Nachmanovich's 1990 book Free Play serves as a powerful fuel to the creative spark that lives in all of us, artist or not. A spark that deserves to be rekindled and shared throughout one's lifetime as a way of being. He journeys into the journey fully and vulnerably from inspiration through effort to the results of the labor. In exploring the nature of the inner critic, Nakmanovich writes, The creative person can be seen embodying two inner characters, a muse and an editor. And when in balance, the muse proposes and the editor disposes. However, he goes on to write that if it gets out of control, the inner critic can be experienced as a harsh and punishing figure, an invisible, critical, bullying force that seems to stand in our way. The Jungian scholar Clarissa Pinkola Estes acknowledges this inner critic can serve when it stays curious, asking such questions as, how will this work best? Or how does this fit with that? Actor and playwright Beth Graham has come to know these voices well, having adopted the term weasels, which captures both the playful and yet threatening nature of such voices to one's creative temperament. She is in fact so familiar with her weasels that she chose to give them the title role in one of her latest plays, which examines the turmoil we can experience when the voices turn from curiosity to doubt, fear, and the abandonment of our courage and confidence. It kind of gave us a vocabulary to talk about, so to talk about our weasels, to talk about the things that prevent us from making the leap, from trusting ourselves in the creative act, from um, making choices and offers. Uh, and so we kind of had this vocabulary to be like, eh, the weasels are mighty today, or, um, and even like stage management, like other people, you know, we're talking, we were, we were using this, this kind of new term to speak about it. And they, they understood. As an actor, Beth Graham has worked professionally at theaters across Canada and toured internationally. As a playwright, she has received the Gwen Ferris Ringwood Literary Award twice and has been finalist for the Governor General's Award for Drama. Currently, Beth is the Lee Playwright-in-Residence at the University of Alberta. At the time of our conversation, her play Weasel had just opened in Edmonton. 
Dora Mar, The Wicked One, which she co-wrote with longtime collaborator Daniela Vlaskalik, was back in rehearsals for its Edmonton production at Workshop West's Playwrights Theatre, and I caught up with her in St. John's Newfoundland, where she was working as dramaturge on a dance show based on a collection of poetry. So firstly, thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm, thank you. It's been um, something, a, a conversation I've been wanting to have for a little while with you about a number of things that relate to the work that you're doing. And, and this uh, this particular project just came up. But I should start by saying uh, it's just nice to see you because when we first talked, I think you were in Edmonton. Then we connected when you were in Calgary. And now you're on the East Coast. <laughs> before heading back for a number of other projects later in the year. So such is the life of the theatre artist. Yeah, right now, right now I'm busy, so it's great. Mm. And you're coming off uh, a couple of years in which you were the playwright-in-residence at the University of Alberta, um, and uh, w- which again in and of itself sounds like that was a journey given that it was during a uh, pandemic. So in-residence meant in your home, not on campus for that whole time. But one of one of the responsibilities, one of the, the, the gifts of that role, as I understand it, is that you get the opportunity to, to create an original piece for the uh, graduating acting, uh, the BFA acting class. And, uh, and the result this year was a script that you called Weasel, which opened in Edmonton last October. So can you just tell me a little bit about the process which led us to Weasel? Yeah, as you said, um, I follow, I'm with a class for, from the beginning of their schooling, from the beginning of their BFA, um, until their graduating year. And so I get to know them over two and a half years, three years, you know, depending on when that play, for me, it was two and a half years, I got to know them. Um, And so even though I was in my home and I first, I met them briefly on Zoom, I did have the opportunity to go in and speak with them in person and see a lot of their presentations. Um, oh, I saw their Greek monologues, their dance pieces, um, some vocal presentations, and then some plays that they did, just a number of different things over the years. Um, and as I as I witnessed them, I was writing at the same time uh, because the play took about that long to um, first generate a whole bunch of material and then to um, shape it for them. So yeah, it was quite a process and just one, it was a gift. It was a gift to be able to see those living, breathing bodies that I'm writing for. Yeah. And I suspect a gift also for a playwright to write a, a, a show, a script, create something for that size of company oh, in, yeah. in our country, in any country at this point in time. The, the economics of putting on theatre are, are against that. So that yeah, too 14, was part of the gift. Wow. 14 students. Yeah. And it was, wow. I've got to, I need to task myself with giving each of these students something to chew on right? as well, you know, not having just a, some of the parts were smaller, but I really, really did try to um, give everyone 
yeah, something to chew on, a time to shine, to hmm. dig into something. So yeah, that was, it, yeah, a good challenge. It's their their launch, isn't it? It's their launch yeah. into their 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 own personal professional journeys, which must have been fascinating because it was for you a bit of a circle back to a place that you knew very well, having graduated from the very same acting program, and we'll just say a number of years ago. <laughs> And when I say, oh, it is. I, I, good thing my math is not so that I have to worry about doing it as fast as you can. But I say circle back just to avoid the suggestion that we can ever really go back. Um, but what did that? What did that return feel like? And uh, and what did it offer you? Oh, it was. It was emotional in the best possible way for a playwright. It was like that kind of buzz. Um, so I went back. Um, in when I went back, actually physically into the school was really when I felt um, the hunch uh, mm. that, that I. I think we. Yeah, I've talked about it a few times. It's this. It's that thing that sticks with you. You'll get the hunch, and if it stays with you, it's like okay, this is something to write about. So when I went into and walked the same hallways that I had as a student, and went into that same rehearsal hall, passed by those same water <laughs> fountains, <laughs> um, I I just. I just, all these, all the memories started flooding back. It was more than that. It was like the feeling of what I was like as a young person and what it felt like to be um, starting uh, down that path in theater. And so I went and I talked to them and I just kept seeing myself and my classmates just reflected at me. Um, and so it was alarming and inspiring and thrilling and scary and all of those things. And I left and it was one of those events that um, it shook me. It shook mm. me. And so I went down into the parking garage at the tip center for the arts and I just sat in my car and just sat with it because theater had been one of the things that I'd wanted to write about. Um, and so I sat with that idea of writing about um, uh, the pursuit, the pursuit of theater, not so much the business, even though that's layered on there, but just that pursuit within people trying to place it in the business model where it does not fit. But um, so I just, I just sat with the idea of what would I say to myself as a young person um, and then I just started writing from there. What what a kind of a, a kind of magical starting point. It, you know, so often we ask ourselves, or our therapist asks us, or our coach asks us, if you know, what would you what would you say to your eighteen, nineteen, twenty two year old self? You had the opportunity to do that. Um, now, if anybody's been listening carefully, they heard the title, and if they don't know. Uh, anything about the production, they might be curious, as I was, why Weasel? What is that about? And and, and what? Uh, tell us a bit more about the play itself and put that in context. Yeah, right. Well, the play follows uh, an actor named Charlie, um, and they are trying to make their way on stage, but they are encountering 
themselves, their fear, and what I have been, what I call in the play, the weasels. Okay. And so um, they are visited by the weasels in kind of that 15 minutes before a show when the nerves start tingling. Um, and those weasels come to visit and kind of, and crack Charlie open. Um, and then Charlie's just full of, full of the weasels that are the voices of self doubt, of fear, of the past, of prevention, but then also of warning and guidance in a way that she eventually kind of comes to understand them as, but she's got a long journey to get there. So initially um, there's four of them in the first version. In the first mm -hmm. version, there were 14 and it was completely, <laughs> I was like, the weasels are out way, way, way out of control. She's never going to find her way out of this one. Right. Um, and then, um, and then there's also different, there were also different versions of Charlie. Um, and it's, I, I guess it's a memory play in a lot of ways hmm. too, or it certainly travels in time. So um, Charlie is, she's actually imagining, it's kind of a feat of imagination for her because she's imagining the journey back on stage because she's had, um, I guess a few traumatic experiences okay. that are are preventing her from saying yes to stepping back on that stage, hmm. and so she's she's working her way through that with the um, help or hindrance of those weasels, and so she visits all these uh, past events in her life. Um, some of them to do with the theater, some of them to do with everyday life. Um, and then, I mean, eventually, spoiler alert, she finds the uh, ability to step on stage, at least in her imagination. Okay. Um, yeah. So in a way, she, if, if, forgive me the theater pun, but there's a taming of the weasel, of the yes. weasels for her. So I'm hearing you say that there was a there it was a bit of a memory play, and the invitation you took to uh, to be transported back, you you were aware that that you that you got these these young people, you knew where they were were standing, but how did they respond to the to the to the whole notion of the metaphor of the weasel and their own journey because they are where you were perhaps so long ago now that you're not sure well you tell it it kind of gave us a vocabulary to talk about so to talk about our weasels to talk about the things that prevent us from making the leap from trusting ourselves in the creative act from um making choices and offers uh, and so we kind of had this vocabulary to be like, eh, the weasels are mighty today or, um, and even like stage management, like other people, you know, we're talking, we were, we were using this, this kind of new term to speak about it. And they, they understood, they understood 
that that there's kind of this place I don't know as an actor sometimes when you're backstage it's like you're about to step into the abyss even though you've done all this prep work all of you've rehearsed um and then there's just this moment like when the lights go to black where you where you make that kind of leap of courage or just leap into the abyss to be like okay now I have to trust all that work and so they certainly under yeah let go and see what happens out there anything can happen um and you've certainly prepared for it um so just to just to trust that and so they understood that sometimes that's when those weasels start hanging off you I guess in a way I'm talking about stage fright in some ways, but it was just more, it was more than that. It was also, you know, what we carry with us on stage too. Well, and, and, and as you say, the, the stage management, the others around the production, uh, I, I guess I'm getting the sense that there was also an awareness that we in the theater, you in the theater are not alone, that there was something universal to this. And in fact, if I don't, if, if, if I recall you yourself um, uh, came to know that term from its usage within a within a community, a local community. Yeah, and I thought it was universal when I first started using it. Um, there was an there's been a few actors in Edmonton that have said I've heard I'd heard the term. Um, oh, the weasels of fear. The weasels of fear are with me today. Or, oh, that weasel of fear is just like it's got me right here by the neck. Um, and so I just thought it was a term that all, it was like an acting term, a theater term. And then I used it somewhere else in another community. And they're like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? And that's when I was like, oh, it's specific to Edmonton. But it's certainly universal in the feeling, I think. And I guess I'm what I'm curious about, and what I love about that notion is that when we when we bring it into a common circle, when we now talk about it, um, and as you know, we in this conver- in this series of conversations, I'm continually fascinated with the creative process and how easy it is to feel like it's just you i'm all alone i'm the only one without the, the you know the the great idea today um or i'm bringing the ship down and so i have to wonder what conversations um were existing and i, I appreciate you weren't directing the show but you were within the community and, and around that ensemble do you have any sense as to how now that you've given it a name for these 14, you know, young professionals, how that might support and help them as they go through their journey, especially those that continue on in the theater. There's something about naming it Mm. and maybe something about seeing someone who has some experience saying, you know, um, keep them, Keep them weasels in check. <laughs> if you can do what you can, you know. Um, and I and I certainly feel it as a as a writer too in the creative act of all the little judgments that come up. Oh, is this 
you know, have I gone too far? Is this too dark? Is this too sentimental? Oh, is this believable? All those questions, which are actually can be quite valuable to ask as long as they're not bringing you to a grinding halt. But it certainly can be like, huh, is this a bit too sentimental? Yeah. What if I took this line out? Boom. All of a sudden, um, you know, we're moving on from that moment. So it's not sitting in sentimentality or so the weasel asking those questions can actually be quite, can be useful. Mm -hmm. And in that it's, it sounds like the value of it is recognizing that we all have those voices. How oh, do yeah. we choose to build the, the ensemble of ourselves, right? That that's how do we, how do we choose to collaborate with our, with our own voices so that they don't, as you say, you know, knock you off the, off the track so that you potentially even give up, walk away. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, uh, I feel like some of the way of counteracting them in some ways is yeah. Naming them, seeing them for what they are and also the humor of it. Hmm. The humor of calling them this little animal, um, I think helped in some ways. And they were in the play, I hope, and I think they were pretty funny. They had, they all had little wild personalities and a real sideways way of looking at the world. Um, so, yeah, how do you how do you tame those weasels? Is that is that is that the question? How do you tame those weasels? Yeah, or get them working for you? Mm. Mm. I think bring them on just, side. Yeah, I think it's just bringing them on side in some way so that you're all, you know, what the task is that you're doing together. I want to just come back to this notion of of returning back to this to to this incredibly powerful home base. I mean, I I know what I know the building. I know that anybody that has studied in an intensive conservatory approach knows their building. They have all kinds of emotional stuff around that, good, bad, and in between. But that there's there's heat there, I'm sure. And so as you as you think back, I, I, what did you discover uh, as the now bath about the then bath or what, yeah. What, what, what is the learning yeah. for you that was tangential to the, to the experience? I think I, the, I gave, I think the gift was given from the past. Like at first I thought, going in, I would have all this experience to share with these young students, right? And I could, you know, help them in that way. But the reverse happened in a lot of ways in that I was like, I was learning so much from them, from just the spirit of believing in the, in in the act of creation, believing in yourself within that, um, the excitement of it, the feel of an ensemble. I was like, no. oh yeah, this. When uh, when we walked in, uh, I say we, because Kevin Sutley was the director on it, and we talked a lot about um, how it felt to be kind of outside that ensemble 
and walking into it. So there was just this power uh, of what it is for these people to have spent this time together and perhaps in an extremely intense time too over COVID, right? Having kind of traveled through that together. So I guess I learned the strength of a group again, Hmm. that you're not in it by yourself. Just to be reminded every single time, almost when you go into the rehearsal, it's like, oh yeah, right. We're doing this with people for like, this is such a communal art form. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was reminded of that. They really, they just gave me all these reminders really of the love for it. Because I think I was a bit jaded. Hmm. I was a bit like, Huh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is the thing for anyone to get into. Like I was kind of doing that, which I, I'm not proud of, <laughs> you know, but then I, but then going in, it was just this absolute renewal. And I think, uh, you, you know, maybe it again was that time of COVID of like, what's happening with this and what are we going to do? And everybody just seems so injured by what's happening in the world and what's going to happen to theater and all of that being questioned and well who do we do it for if we don't have an audience um so all of that was going on for me too so then going in and just being reminded no it's still here it's somehow this thing persists and and you know thrives in some way within us when it's when you're facing it down it's interesting because you were responding to the question what have i learned and you kept (laughs) saying i've learned but i I, but i'm also hearing i relearned i re-engaged i was able to reignite that some of the power and the fire it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, what what is what what has happened, or what what do you think happens in the life of uh, mature professionals? And in which you know that's a very wide you define it, but but mature, you've been in this game for a while. Um, how how is it possible to, in such a collaborative art form as theater, to actually forget that there's a group? Like, wh- what happens in your yeah. opinion? What 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 shifts? Self preservation. Sometimes I think you go into self-preservation and occasionally when you're occasionally in this profession, particularly as an actor in that it's can be quite hierarchical. Mm -hmm. Occasionally you get in a room where you feel the hierarchy quite profoundly. And so you feel alone often when that happens. And you go into self-preservation. You go into how do I protect myself in this scenario? And I witnessed that in myself and I witnessed it in others. And I think that was something I was trying to process. And it wasn't just about relearning. It was about unlearning. And there's just such a shift, a wonderful shift that's happening. Um, That's kind of kind of leveling that hierarchy um and not that like i like to have a decision maker in the room i personally like that 
um, for the work. Uh, but I sure do like a democratic process. I sure do like when the room is alive with ideas from everyone and alive with risk and that someone isn't being felt to their, to feel like, isn't being made to feel like they're not making the offers that others are, or they're not as good or they're, it's just, um, so the, those kind of things were just killing me. And I remember going, I will not, if I have some power in a room when I do and reminding myself that I often do more than mm. I think, um, that I will do whatever I can to uphold the democracy and, um, make the room a good place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be because that's a, where the best offers happen and yeah and i love that it, even as you're saying it you're acknowledging that often you do and perhaps arguably more often than not um and 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 not just you but but perhaps everyone um you know i, I was heard a film director say not so long ago, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this story to you, but it was, he'd he'd been involved in a first production, a first project that was so collaborative that even in, even in a, um, a discipline film that we, we, we often think has so many departments and so many heads of state, if you will, that it's hard to feel that sense, but it wasn't until he got into a second room and it wasn't the same that he realized, oh, they're waiting for permission. And once he he came to that, then everything opened right up. So how do you, as an artist, whether as the playwright at the side of the room, whether in in, in the position where you're directing or leading in a way, or or as a company member, um, how do you contribute to the setting of the stage of the rehearsal hall? Mm -hmm. What can you do? I think some of it is just uh, embracing I don't know. So living in, I don't know, asking questions and curiosity and living in that thing of, oh, well, the playwright must know that. No, I don't. I just, I wrote this and it came out impulsively and I'm not entirely sure the meaning of it. I just have a sense of it. So help me out here. Hmm. So it's kind of inviting that I think inviting the that I need I need your help here to figure this out I don't have all the answers if there was one mantra to take forward for you having gone back and tagged up at home if you will unlearned some things and now you're coming back to this place that you're, what what is the the most poignant piece of that that, that you can hold on to that'll give you gas in the tank for for a while from now uh i think joy in the room is always good and laughter always gives me gas yeah. uh, that's how to learn, you know, yeah. you know what I, I get it gas in my tank <laughs> <laughs> um, so joy and laughter and enjoying mm. a joke um <laughs> but also wow yeah what else was I, uh, also what i was thinking too is just Patience, 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 and persistence. 
And and I mean patience with myself and I mean patience with other, others. And I think I felt this as a playwright too of like, you get that pressure of time and you, everyone wants it to be good and everyone, you know, it is what it is. And, and you just need to have patience that if you just keep at it, um, there will be more there to offer. Like it's hard not it's it's hard not to, you know, judge things of whether they're good or bad or whether they're. I guess you can sometimes figure out whether they're working or not. Um, but yeah, patience. Sometimes I would just write that word out mm. for myself. Patience, patience in the process. Patience. Yeah. Take a breath. Don't get ahead of myself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and don't get ahead of let let the actor discover and let and the ownership will be there and it'll be far richer than if i tell them what to do yeah. or you know yeah so i guess a bunch of things laugh and have patience i <laughs> <laughs> the two main things laugh patiently <laughs> uh, be patient if they don't get the joke they will <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, near the beginning of the conversation, you referenced uh, sitting in your car in the parking garage and just sitting with the hunch or with the, the raw material that was forming itself into what I think you were referencing as the hunch. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your hunch and how... It comes to you, speaks to you, and how you listen and trust. Because I think there's something intriguing about trusting that creative what if. Yeah, and I think I've gotten better at identifying the hunch too, as this as this feeling of I guess something I'm struggling with trying to figure out. Uh, as something that is a question that maybe doesn't have an answer to. Um, uh, and if it stays with me, like often I'll kind of have the hunch, maybe I'll jot a few things down or just try to remember um, either, is it an image? Am I like, is the hunch my younger self? Is the hunch a feeling? Is the hunch a question? Um, and so I'll kind of jot those things down. And then I often won't write anything for a while. I'll just keep sitting on the hunch. And in a way that the hunch was a little bit before in like mini hunch form, because I had written down a few uh, ideas. Um, for play for the plays that I might explore with the students. Mm -hmm. And that of course was like the last most unformed one that I was like kind of touched on. And then was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And then after going in and speaking to them, I was like, okay, I think it's that I, it's that last thing. It's <laughs> that last thing that I don't know anything about. That feels like it's awful close to me. <laughs> yes. It felt really close. It felt 
yeah, it felt like I was standing beside my former self, rubbing shoulders with my former self. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just sat with it for a bit and then I started writing and then I could not stop writing. And I had some time because, um, of things slowing down during that time and I could not stop writing. I had pages and pages and pages and hundreds like (laughs) um, so I was like okay when okay draft first drafts coming up I have got to put this hunch into some kind of form Form. I gotta give the hunch a spine here (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah there was just so much that hunch was really talking to me um and so yeah I kind of I put it into a pretty um, messy, messy, messy first draft. Messy first drafts are sometimes really empowering. Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting about that too, is I think even in that first draft, I was kind of hiding the story a bit, even though I knew it was in there. And then I, and then two dramaturgs looked at it and I talked to them separately and they both identified Oh, they both identified Charlie, the character of Charlie and what their journey was. They had all the questions about that. And that was what was what they were connecting to. And I was like, yeah, that was, oh, am I going to write about that? I'm going to write about that. Yeah. Well, uh, or, and, and with all due respect, you had already written about it. If those two people in separate spaces knew they could see it. And, and I wonder how often we uh, are surrounded by those that are, that are looking at the, at the work that we do and they see it far clearer or more readily and sooner than we're able to acknowledge it ourselves. Yeah. And sometimes I even wonder if that allows me to write about it. If I just keep the, if I hold it at a distance for a while. If it's feeling really close uh, and like vulnerable and actually the hunch, I think probably has something to do with vulnerability too. It's that feeling of like, Oh, I don't know. Can I, can I write about this now? Am I ready to, am I? Yeah. That was kind of mixed into this particular hunch anyway. (laughs) Yeah, And you just stay with it and you're compelled to do so. Yeah. But it says, you know, it's interesting because we, you and I know, and those who are involved in theater know the value of a dramaturge to uh, a writer in process. And that, 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 that additional set of eyes that understand your process, understand the discipline of, of performance of theater and what you're trying to, trying to get at. But it, I think in a more general way, it's a great reminder of how valuable and perhaps essential it is when we are creating something and we just have the hunch to, to look around and, and try to figure out who can I trust, who will get this because I can't fully get it without their, their eyes and heads and yeah. hearts. And, you know? Yeah. And also for me, it was when to when, um, and usually it's a first draft. It's, I just have to, Sometimes I can, uh, I often can't share an idea 
even though I kind of had to in this because it was a commission, I had to share like the edge. I just shared like kind of the edges of the idea. And then um, like, I feel like often I need to write that first draft so that I have just some kind of, even if it is a mat, hot mess, and um, then I just have like just more of an ownership and ability to speak to it. Then if I sh- share something super early and yeah sharing it with yeah someone i trust and mm-hmm. also trusting myself that i'll listen for what resonates that i'll not only listen with my mind but i'll listen with my heart i guess mm-hmm. yeah so the other thing that just hit me as i was thinking of of that and and it was obvious but it but it hadn't come to me there are lots of actors who are not writers there are lots of playwrights who have never been on the stage in in the capacity that you have how for you do you do you see the relationship what 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 does knowing what your your process as a playwright at creating that stage do when you're an actor and vice versa I think that's it's, it's, certainly it's how I approach playwriting it as an actor. What would, what kind of character would I like to play and dig mm-hmm. into? What kind of, um, yeah, what would I, what would I like to say um, and do? And what, what's, what's fun to dig into? And then the other, like being an actor that writes, Oh, yeah, maybe that's a, that's an interesting one. Cause I feel like sometimes as actors, we get that tunnel vision, which is valuable to just see the character and see that character within their journey. And so, and that can be really valuable to, to see that from a playwriting perspective, seeing the actor doing that and being like, oh, okay, they're tracking the character for me. <laughs> um, Let's see if I got it right. Um, but an actor for a playwright, I, I guess maybe sometimes I I look at look at the bigger picture when I'm like workshopping something or like what would be helpful. What are there steps here um, to get me from this point to this point, like? I guess that's again the actor's journey. You're tra- you're tra- tracing those steps. <laughs> so I'm not sure, other than an appreciation of how much work and effort goes into it. Yeah, and by that, I suppose in whatever role you are in, there's that sense of honoring, and it comes back to patience, patience with myself, yeah. because I know that this isn't a simple task, and it it may look like magic in three weeks' time. But it ain't yeah. magic this moment. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. As an actor, it's or as a playwright witnessing actors um, learning a script and making choices about a script, and I'm just reminded and in awe. Like mm. sometimes I'll forget a little bit about the work that it takes to do that, and the courage. It seems to me that's another touching up at home base, right? That sense of, again, I'm reminded of how much I 
how much I respect and, 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 and the fire and the, and, and the courage you use that word to, to not lose sight of <clears throat> for as long as I have known you, you've been both, you've been that, the, that writer and that actor. And I, I say yeah. that because you journeyed back, but whenever I see you, I journey back to one five five that room on the third floor of that building and i think it was a spring session or summer session it was a sessional course that that i had the pleasure of and i remember that final project and how powerful a short piece of monologue that you had written i believe you had written it yeah just a piece of that yeah so that i remember that that class too and i've spoken to you about it too that's kind of that was one of the things that uh, that was one of the classes that made me want to pursue it for sure. So before I let you go, I, I have um, I have ended these conversations with with a an unimaginative leap question. I want to ask you what conversation would you love to have with yourself thirty years from now? What do you look forward to sitting down over tea? with Beth in another few years, we'll say. I guess I hope you kept learning. I hope you're still open to change and have you been kind. And what yeah. will an older iteration of Beth, what, 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 if you could hope that she, if she really knows to be true to who you are, what do you hope to hear her say that is really clear? Not just I hope, because that's a beautiful thing, but what yeah, do you know? What, you what do you know? Yeah, what do I know? Trust yourself. Good on you for trusting yourself and for going with your gut and for laying it on the line, even if you do have even if you do have some weasels, good on you for squaring off with them. Mm-hmm. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, my hope is that when others hear this, they will also recognize that we we get to we get to build that relationship with those weasels and call them whatever you want. But um, you're not alone. The weasels are there. And how do you want to, how do you want to dance? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. The Ellipses Thinking Podcast is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network and is produced by Greg and Jordan Dowler-Coltman. The show's theme music has been generously provided by Jordan Hart, And if you're interested in learning more about the ideas behind Ellipses Thinking, please visit DowlerColtman.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred space. 
As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space 